and welcome to the week 16 edition of the May. It's week 16. Oh my God. It's week 16, guys. We have but three weeks left of the regular season. This is like what we were doing preview pods, it seems like yesterday. Here we are, week 16. It is Matt, Adam, and Steven coming to you guys. And uh, I know a little depressing to think that we are already to week 16 and this is going to be over sooner than later. And we will be praying for. Patriots versus Jets games and stuff like that here in a couple of months. We will just wish that they were still happening in our lives, but let's go ahead and get right into this again. Everything we do absolutely free. So go ahead, hit the subscribe button. Let's get to 50,000. Going to be some cool stuff. If we get to 50,000, go ahead and do that. Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. It is two, two and a half. Okay. There's already one, there's one and a half. So all the way, one and a half, all the way to two and a half, actually. Out there in favor of the Bengals on the road, Pittsburgh Steelers probably going to be with Mason Rudolph. I know there's a very slight chance that Kenny Pickett goes, but all the beat writers continue to say that this looks to be Mason Rudolph. Also a disclaimer, we are recording this a day earlier than we normally do. So we have less information than we normally do whenever we are giving this uh, to you guys on a Friday. So this is coming to you on a Thursday, 38, 38 and a half is our total uh, Adam, I'll kick things off here with you. Cincinnati has surprised me for sure. Uh, Browning has I'm not been good. I mean, but he is he's been serviceable. I mean, like Jake Browning looks like a guy that could be a pretty decent backup in the NFL. And, you know, if a team fell on hard times could, you know, be a below average starter for for them over the course of the season, which I did not think was going to to happen. The Steelers team pretty much came around to where we thought they were going to be. We were disparaging them all season long on the pod, and I, I feel somewhat vindicated that we actually came back around to them stinking like we thought they were going to stink. And here they are, you know, clawing to any and all hopes, and Cincinnati currently eyeing a playoff spot. Matt, another game for me this week in which if I trust my season-long numbers, I might stay away. But the trend lines on these two teams are so clear right now, at least in terms of where it really matters, which is Cincinnati offense versus Pittsburgh defense and then Pittsburgh offense against itself. Uh, because yeah. Jake Browning, non-garbage time, second half of the season. So go from week eight to here. Number three in EPA CPOE composite. So you're talking about a guy who's completing more passes than you would expect him to. And is adding more expected points to his team. I get that he's going to be without Jamar Chase. I just don't think this is the matchup where it really matters that much for Cincinnati. I think the market is still looking at Jake Browning as a backup, whereas he's probably in that class that is sort of Minshew-esque, which is good enough to start in what today's NFL is and probably not good enough to be a regular quarterback if you want to say we're starting our season with 32 teams. So for me, I think this is Cincinnati. I think it's pretty clearly Cincinnati. Uh, one of the few sides that I feel comfortable with overall this week. What I love even more about what it's done to Zach Taylor in the Jake Browning time is that early downs, we're getting less of the runs and we're getting more play action. And we're seeing Zach Taylor call things that give Jake Browning better opportunities to succeed that it also would have given Joe Burrow better opportunities to yeah. succeed were he willing to do it more often. Yeah, uh, Stephen, you look, I mean, so we had the Deontay Johnson stuff earlier in the year, and now this thing from this past week, you see George Pickens, like, not block at all when Jalen Warren is trying to fight for a touchdown in the end zone, and then they ask him about it afterwards, and he says, 
I'm not about to get rolled up on like Tank Dell. Like, what are we doing here? Like, this team is like, like I mean, you, uh, I don't even, I don't even know. Like, we know Mason Rudolph's not any good. They would have started him a long time ago if he was any good. Like, it's so we 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 have enough of of a sample size just from this team itself to let us know that he's not any good. They went and drafted Pickett when they could have just turned to him. I mean, like, there's all kinds of reasons to know that he's not any good. And I'll be, I, I'll admit, I'm surprised at what Cincinnati's been able to do. Now, DJ Reader looks, is out for them. And that's a big, that's a big gaping hole in the center of that defensive line. But again, against other teams, I might be worried. I don't know what I'm worried about here with the Steelers. I, I mean, it's just a, it's a non-existent offense. This is like the third week in a row, too, that you still have some people in the betting community firing the Mike Tomlin narrative. Well, when you least expect it, Mike Tomlin's going to get these guys up to play. Like, I guess we're just going to keep uh, martingaling this until the Steelers finally win another game at some point here because they lose to the Cardinals. Oh, well, they'll, they'll bounce back. It's Tomlin against the Patriots. They lose to the Patriots. Oh, they'll bounce back. It's Tomlin against the Colts. And we're doing it again this week. It's stupid. It's stupid. This team stinks. They have locker room issues on top of it. You mentioned what Pickens said. What you left out is what um, Jalen Warren said in response. He fired right back, said, I would have blocked for George Pickens. So like, <laughs> this is a nightmare. This, this is a complete nightmare. The metrics back up the Bengals in this one, despite the fact that they're road divisional favorites here. Typically is uh, something you don't really want to do a, a ton of, but you know, not just the Bengals for me in this one under a field goal. Uh, I actually think the over is sneaky here too, because the Bengals defense is still bad, right? Like I, I know that you need to hope that Mason Rudolph doesn't submarine this over, but we're talking about a number that starts with three and might get lower when Jamar Chase is officially ruled out of this game. So when that happens, it, you maybe we're looking at 37, 36 and a half. I think DJ Reader being out on that line is a big deal because they already ran the ball well against the Cincinnati Bengals the first time around, and we saw that they got gashed by Ty Chandler last week. I still think the Bengals win the game, but I think both offenses can move the ball here, even if the Steelers want to just try and hide Mason Rudolph as much as possible. Yeah, so Jamar Chase is officially out. Zach Taylor made that uh, announcement earlier today, and okay. beyond that, the the Rudolph situation, I I'm on the other side of that. I, I think the Steelers are maybe a 10, 11, maybe 13 point uh team this week. I could see it over if you had something like 27, 13, if you want to look at it that way. I think we're probably looking at something where Cincinnati is going to load that box up as much as it needs to and challenge Mason Rudolph to find something downfield which i do not feel like is going to happen so i was playing devil's advocate to to somebody talking about this game and i said listen like if you actually think pittsburgh has success at all in this game i wouldn't even bet the side like mason rudolph's passing prop is at 189 yards like like if if, if he doesn't throw for 200 yards like they're not going i mean they're not going to win this game because they're like they're like they're not going to run for 200 yards so they're if he can't throw for 200 yards then I would almost just opt for the success from Pittsburgh coming from Mason Rudolph not being a complete joke, but I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like he is. So we we we'll see when it all comes into it. But a, a, an interesting game nonetheless, because like I said, Cincinnati is staring down a, a playoff berth right now. 
Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Chargers. This one's not as interesting, that's for sure. Uh, as we sit right now, 12, 12 and a half in favor of the Bills on the road at the Chargers. 43 and a half to 44 is your total. Steven, we know, no Herbert. They already ruled out Keenan Allen. Probably won't see Keenan Allen, I would assume, for the rest of the year. Why come back? Like, the season's dead. What are you doing? Don't go get killed for no reason. Uh, Buffalo Bills on the upswing here. But that being said... 12 and a half, 13 now popping at another, at a couple of places out there. That's a, that's a lot of points in NFL game regardless. Yeah. I, I still bet Buffalo minus 11 and a half mm-hmm. after all the buyback. On yeah. The I did get down to that. I, I should mention that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say like, I should mention that it got all the way down to 11, 11 and a half. And then now it's kind of bounced back. And like even anything under 13 is pretty much dead numbers here. So I, I wouldn't, I still I'm not buying the fired coach. They're going to play hard for the new guy. Like they're, they suck. They have no talent. Like how is that going to matter? This isn't the Raiders where they still have Josh Jacobs and Devonte Adams and, you know, Max Crosby on defense. Like this, this roster is horrendously bad in many different ways. So I, I don't buy it. Um, this is, this is a dead team walking to me and the bills can't afford to take anything for granted now because they're so far back in the tiebreakers if they want to get to the AFC playoffs. So on top of that, the bills defense, which has been the issue with them in recent weeks, um, we've always, all three of us still had confidence in the offense, even when Josh Allen had a game where he was turning the ball over the ceiling was always there for the offense. But the defense has started to steadily improve as well. They are, in the past month, top 10 by dropback EPA. Uh, that coincides with them acquiring Rasul Douglas at corner since the trade deadline. So I think the defense is getting better, and I don't think there's anything in this matchup other than maybe, I don't, I mean, you're really gonna, you really want to bet Easton stick the back door at, at, in the fourth quarter? I don't want to. So I, I think this is another another blowout. I don't buy the the new coach or interim coach uh, narrative here. Well, certainly not for this team. Uh, I, I'm not buying into that either. I guess, so the question becomes with all the points there, Adam, um, you know, Jordan Phillips goes to IR for the Bills. Micah Hyde not going to play for the Bills. So they are down a 345-pound behemoth in the center of the line and, and one of their best players on defense as well. I just don't know if the char. I mean, look, the Chargers couldn't score when they had Herbert and had Keenan Allen. So, I mean, like for us, I just don't know where the points are going to come from when it's Easton Stick and Quentin Johnston. So, I, you know, I, I'm I'm very torn on this one. This is one of those potential hold your nose situations in which I think the look might actually be on those Easton Stick passing numbers. Uh, I, what are the Chargers going to do? Are they going to sit around and run the ball against this offense? They're not. They're, they're going to be throwing the ball all day long. And we know that it does not take much in the NFL to have one coverage bust and end up with a yardage number that looks a lot better than you thought it was going to. Right now, I'm seeing two of four and a half at DraftKings. I think if you want to bet on the Chargers being better than you think they're going to be, you bet on Easton Stick throwing the football because by the time they actually had the opportunity to have the ball on offense against the Raiders, he actually did break this number, right? So I don't think it's impossible that he breaks it again. 
You mentioned the defensive injuries. AJ Epinesa is also going to be out for the Buffalo Bills in this game. So as much as they've gotten better, they're also dealing with more health problems now than they have in the past. I don't want anything to do with the side in this game. I think the total got bet up to probably where it should be. Um, I think it still would be over or pass if I were going to go after this thing, because I think Buffalo can easily put up 30 on its own. But I do think there's a chance that if the Chargers throw the football enough in this game, that they could score a few points and it could be some back to work kind of points. So where the line is right now, I don't want it, but I think I would probably go after that low passing prop on Easton stick. Cause I think it could be a 40 or 50 attempts kind of game. Yeah. So that's, I'm, I, I'm glad you bring that up because like this, this is the, the type of handicap I hate get giving on our videos, but if you guys do ever take notes or if you ever do ever whatever, like this is your classic in-game pass attempts over for Easton stick game. Like they're, they, they set these, they set these lines at just strict projections, right? Well, the projections don't can't factor in a just complete whitewashing at the very beginning of the game. And like, if the bills come out and get up 17, nothing, this thing, like, the Chargers aren't going to run the ball again the entire rest of the game, right? Like, like maybe two or three times the whole rest of the game. And but but it will take a while for that number to adjust throughout the course of the the first half. And so, again, I know you got to remember to do it and all of things like that. But like they're very profitable if you do remember to do them, right? Like if you can see a game get out of hand, it takes a while for the algorithm to realize, oh, this game's out of hand, so they're going to abandon the run game. And, like, this means, like, 20% more projection when it comes to pass attempts and stuff. And so, Easton Sticks right now at 32 and a half, they get down 17 nothing. Like you said, he's going to throw the ball 40 times. So, like, it's a, it's a very good in-game over when it comes to pass attempts. But I understand that doesn't do you any good today. Like, I know you can't go put that in your account today, but, you know, make a note. Yeah, because right now, the even his completions, sitting there over 20 and a half, I think I'm clear on over 20 and a half. However, minus 30 on that. I'm, you're not going to find me playing a prop on Easton Stick where I have to pay that kind yeah. of juice in order to get to it. So if your situation could help with that, I think it's a great idea. Seattle Seahawks and the Tennessee Titans, two and a half or three in favor of the Seahawks on the road against the Titans. 41 and a half is our total. Uh, Adam, this is one of those interesting games in which we, uh, since we're doing this on Thursday instead of Friday, we don't know the official injury report, but we do know in the weirdest of weird moves, if Will Levis can't go, they're going to go back to Ryan Tannehill. Like, I guess it's kind of like, hey, we spent the money anyway. So like, you know, go out there and light the money on fire on the field instead of going to Malik Willis, whatever. Um, so that's at least weirdly interesting to me because can they keep it within a field goal? I, I mean, I know I, I, it's only three at one book out there right now, but like, can they keep within a field goal? If Tannehill goes, I mean, Tannehill. Yeah. There's no upside with Tannehill, but the floor is exponentially higher than it is with either one of the, either one of the other quarterbacks. So that's, what's kind of got me in a pickle with this one. I have to pass on this game. And if you want to hit the plus 30, just go for it. But the reason that I, pass on this game is that every time I think I have a handle on Seattle I'm wrong and I'm not going to get involved with them again like I have to just write Seattle off the card because the range of outcomes for this team in any given week is just far too wide for me to get myself involved in if I did anything with it if you said you have to play something 
I probably would tease Tennessee just because of the fact that I don't trust Seattle, but I make this game Seattle three and a half. It's sitting two and a half in most spots. I still cannot bring myself to just say, oh, no problem. I'll play the Seahawks minus two and a half on the road against Mike Vrabel, who again, voodooed his way to beating the Miami Dolphins last week and a Seattle team that I'm sure people are going to be hot on coming off beating the Eagles in what was the ultimate situational spot with a number of things that broke their way. Yeah, Geno Smith, a full go at practice. So it does look like the Drew Locke. uh, Welcome back, Drew Locke. We love you. We like the new humble Drew Locke uh, lasts all of a week. And uh, we're going back to Geno Smith here with this one, Stephen. But I, I can't shake that if Tannehill goes that it changes my view of this game because again, like, yeah, there's not really any upside, but like his floor is fairly high. I mean, like he's, he's, he's got legs. He's got whatever, like, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting handicap for me. Should that come to fruition? Does he have legs anymore? I don't know. I don't know if you heard or not. I mean, he used to, he didn't, he didn't always play quarterback. Can he, can he, I don't, I don't know if can he, he move still? I don't know if you ever heard this or not. He didn't always play quarterback. Oh, there you go. You know, Jimmy Graham uh, played basketball. In, in, yeah, I don't know college. if yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> who was the who was the offensive lineman that had a doctorate that they like you wanted to let you know every single time or whatever? Like, yeah, I don't yeah, yeah, doctor something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I Adam couldn't get himself to pull the trigger. It's the season of giving in this house. I just don't know if it's me giving the sports <laughs> books the money or the sports books giving me the money. I did bet Seattle minus two and a half in this game. Uh, I think. This is a situation where the one thing I care about most is I have no earthly idea how Tennessee is going to cover Seattle's wide receivers, and they should absolutely go ballistic in this game. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and now Jackson Smith and Jigba getting more and more involved in this offense, playing a secondary for Tennessee that does not have a number one cornerback. If you go by PFF grades, their top graded guy is Roger McCreary in the slot, who's at number 33. They're outside corners. They don't have one ranked in the top 80 by PFF grades. So on top of that, they're bottom three and drop back in EPA success rate overall as a defense. So I, I think that is a matchup nightmare. I think they're going to score plenty of points in this game. I don't know what Ryan Tannehill gives you to this offense if it is him, but I am more confident in um, in Will Levis being able to scramble at least a little bit, Adam, here. So that, that's kind of where I'm at here, Adam. I don't know if – if what what was it specifically? Is it, Was it Ryan Tannehill, Adam, that was stopping you from pulling the trigger, that unknown? You know, Stephen, when it comes to Tannehill in particular, I think it's what Matt said where – both the ceiling and the floor get a lot shorter than they are with Will Levis. And when I look at a team that brings stability and a coaching edge against Pete Carroll and the mercurial Seattle Seahawks, then I just can't get myself any deeper involved with that team, Matt. I, I, it was quite the masterclass last week. Oh, God. I mean, oh, God. Pete on the sideline asking if he got his timeout back and all the things and all the, I'm just kind of like, Oh, Pete, come on, buddy. Come on, Pete. You still, you're still holding on, man. But like, let's, uh, but that post game locker room video was fire. Oh, and then he came out to the, to the presser with the backwards hat and whatever, and all (laughs) the, you know, the whole nine yards. Yeah, it was great. But 
yeah, it's it's super super interesting. We uh, again, as of this recording, we just didn't have official word of who's going to be playing quarterback there for Tennessee. Indianapolis Colts and the Atlanta Falcons. This is point point and a half in favor of the Falcons at home over the Colts. Forty four and a half is your total. Now, Stephen, we might be getting back some key pieces to the Colts while also being down another key piece. It looks like Jonathan Taylor is going to go for the Colts. At least that's the last that the beat writers are saying here with all of this. But Michael Pittman getting absolutely murked out there i mean it was just that was oh that was one of the hardest trending well this week though matt like he yeah but wasn't that one right of the direction. worst hits wasn't that one of the worst hits like like oh my god well, yeah i mean you know uh I, I think so you think so tom brady doesn't think so though yeah i mean yeah so, i don't we can't play oh we can't play football anyway but yeah i mean you know maybe let's not decapitate people um so steven i'll start with you on this one the atlanta falcons they are favorites i mean after everything we've seen, the Atlanta Falcons are favorites in a game um, here in week 16 in the NFL. I, dude, I don't like the Colts, but I sure as hell don't like the Falcons. I haven't done it yet. Maybe it's a Colts teaser leg for me up to seven and a half because th- this Falcons team cannot win at margin. It is impossible. Even if they win this game, they, 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 this team cannot win at margin. Like it is, it is impossible. The way that Arthur Smith calls a game, it, it, is, it is full on impossible for them to win at margin i have heard a lot of smart people i respect bet the atlanta falcons this week including eli hershkovich on our sister podcast beat the closing number it's in his column on the lines.com and i have also heard the same amount of people essentially who are completely out on arthur smith these are also people i respect who are just like i'm done i'm done Arthur Blank is like saying without saying that this season should not have happened the way it was. And um, to me, reading between the lines, Arthur Smith's now on the hot seat. I They're they're banged up. I don't know if Anyamata is going to play on the defensive line, which would be a big blow to this rushing defense. Uh, looks like Pittman's trending well. We'll see. But I, 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 I am too biased and have too much hate for Art Smith to be able to analyze this game um, well, and and without bias, so I, I'm just going to stay away. But God, I really want to just bet against Art Smith one more time because I don't think that they are uh, even capable of putting together a smart game. Adam, what an indictment on him too that he goes away from Desmond Ritter, then goes back to Desmond Ritter, only to go away from Desmond Ritter again this week, which just shows your incompetence, like right off the bat, like, oh, no, no, we're going back to Taylor Heine, who, by the way, has proven that he's not any good either. So it's like, what, what does it really matter at this point? But, um, you know, got to do whatever makes you look like, looks good that you're trying to keep your job. But I, you know, I don't look at this as an upgrade at all. I don't know how you have them separated. Yeah. Ritter's like at the very bottom of my power ratings when it comes to quarterbacks. But I mean, if, if Taylor Heineke was actually an NFL starter, he would be down there too. So you can't upgrade a team a quarter of a point. So, I mean, like, it just kind of, like, is what it is. It's 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 neutral to me. I understand why smart people are backing the Falcons. And you know what? Let me yell it louder for everyone who needs to hear it. Because they can't let go. Because they all <laughs> love the Falcons before the season. And they all can't let go of priors that are dead. 
These priors have been dead for 15 weeks. I did not like the Falcons at the beginning of the season. I have been going against the Falcons for much of the season, and I will continue to go against the Falcons in this spot. Let's talk about not only the Falcons side of this, but let's actually go over to the Indianapolis side where Shane Steichen somehow has eight wins with mostly Gardner Minshew. And the Colts offense, non-garbage time, last half of the season, starting from week eight to now, they're number six in EPA per play. Six with Gardner Minshew YOLOing for life back there, still at the top of the league in turnover-worthy play percentage, and yet somehow it has not mattered. I understand if you're backing the Falcons, you're looking at the fact that this defense has outperformed for a lot of the year. It doesn't matter when you look at the other side of this and this offense's inability to sustain anything over time. I can give you any number of metrics and numbers that tell you how bad this offense has been. I think you can run Indianapolis out to six and a half here comfortably at plus 247 if you really want to get squirrely with this whole thing but I don't think this is a game that you look at with a neutral handicap right I don't think you look at it and say oh I think these teams are pretty close let me just take the Indianapolis money line at even money no I think if you believe Indianapolis is the better team and you think they are the better offense and they are by a long shot clearly the better offense then I think you play this out to something that's a more profitable tale which is the Indianapolis Colts by if you want to make it two and a half and play it for a little less squirrely, fine. I think minus six and a half is comfortable even at plus two forty seven. One of the bigger coaching mismatches of the year in this oh, one, in huge. my per- in my personal opinion. And you look and you have to look no further than last week, guys. And I understand. Okay, weather. I get it. That actually lends more into what I'm going to say here. There were twenty six running back carries for the Falcons last week. Bijan Robinson got seven of them. Tyler Algier got 14 of them, and Cordero Patterson got five, only two fewer than Bijan Robinson. Those five went for negative two yards. So he continues to try to make this wide receiver a running back. He continues to give him almost equal shares of a guy you spent a first round pick on, while in weather, I might add, while in weather conditions in which you would think you would want to give it to your all-star first-round running back that has made people break their ankles already so far this season. So, again, I get it. Weather game, and everyone's, like, giving them a pass because it's a weather game. You still lost to the friggin' Panthers. I mean, like, it doesn't matter. You lost them in a weather game. Oh, oh, let's, let's take that a step farther, Matt. I'll give Greg Rosenthal credit for this one. There are six total teams in the National Football League who, as of Week 16, have been eliminated from playoff contention. The Falcons have lost... Two, four of them. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. Devil's devil's advocate argument here for those, because there are a lot of smart Falcons people this week. So let me just sound like one of them, even though I'm not one, Adam. Aren't they due or potentially you're buying low here on They're positive due! variance? Because they had they have six one possession losses this year. They're clearly, so due that they're to be clearly with six one possession losses, variance is going to go their way this week. Okay, okay. No, Matt, you first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, like, sure. Okay, I mean, all right. One possession loss to the Commanders. Pat yourself on the back. One possession loss to the Titans. Great, I'm sure you're loving that. The Cardinals. Oh yeah, all right. Woo! 
We only lost by one possession to the Cardinals. Oh, that's that's great. Like uh, we lost nine to seven to the Panthers. All right, guys, this is turning around. Like, I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? Trend lines. We're talking uh. trend lines. This has been my handicap all week long is that we're talking trend lines. And we're talking about an Indianapolis offense that, yes, might get Jonathan Taylor back. And that would be important considering Zach Moss's situation. And then the other side, trend lines. We look at an Atlanta team that can't pick a quarterback. It keeps looking at this two-day-old bread and this three-day-old bread. And they're like, which one should I make a sandwich with? You're like... Don't have a sandwich. Give it to Bijan Robinson. Yeah, no, they they took the heel of the bread because there's only one dry, super dry side. Whenever you do that, they took the and now that he's going to play quarterback. So like it's just instead of two dry sides, there's only one dry side, and there we go. And there we're going to go. And uh, apparently, uh, at last at like 54, 54 minutes ago, Jonathan Taylor quote full speed at practice on Thursday. So um, that looks like he is. He is actually going to go for them in this one. So just again, another another weapon for this one. I, I just I don't I don't the Falcons love is, is so wild. last note, funny note, Scott Fish had a hilarious tweet this week and said Arthur Smith is going to be so pissed off when he finds out Cordell Patterson was also a first round pick. Yeah, I mean, this is true. He's gonna I know he's gonna need to he's gonna have to start giving him only only two carries instead of five carries. <laughs> Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. Adam, this is out to three in favor of the Browns. 40, 40 and a half is the total. We know it does not look like C.J. Stroud is going to be able to go. So we are going to get the Browns on the road in perfect conditions inside of a dome against, again, a team down Tank Dell and their starting quarterback. I took a piece of the Browns at two and a half before it got to three. I anticipated that CJ Stroud wasn't going to be able to go whenever we heard very beginning of the week that he was still seeing some sensitivity to light. And I'm like, well, that doesn't sound like he's going to be able to clear concussion protocol in the next week. So uh, I took a piece of the Browns at two and a half at, at even look, you can pay an expensive two and a half. The three, I think is fine when it all comes down to it. I, I just, the, the Texans, without basically their entire offense to me is is not it's a shell of the team that we kind of fell in love with this texans team and this browns team have a interesting similarity from last week in that neither one of them really deserved to win the games that they won and yet still got hugely important victories for their playoff chances the question for me comes down to do you think the Browns' defense travels in a way that it hasn't? Now, the question rests on, they've been really good on the road, and they've been otherworldly at home. I do not expect Houston to be the place where the home field advantage is so significant that it causes a real problem for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Joe Flacco threw three interceptions last week, and they still won the game. The Houston Texans' offense was absolutely horrific last week and somehow they still won the game this is about as big of a change in weight class as you could see when it comes to the defensive side of the ball getting Cleveland coming in so I haven't played it but I completely understand where you're at with it Matt because in the end fundamentally Cleveland is just a better team because of how much reliance there is on CJ Stroud for the Houston Texans yeah the one other thing I would put out there and like 
It's crazy in the year of our Lord, 2023. Um, Flacco's passing prop is at 244, and I would play the over. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, they, like, they put Joe Flacco in there and then just redid this entire offense. They were just like, you know what? We can't run it anyway, so to hell with it. We're just going to throw it every single down, and it's worked so far. I mean, yeah, he throws it to the other team every now and then, but, like, he also throws it to welcome back David and Joku. By the way, hey, he can play. Who knew? And, like, you know, the Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, like all these different guys going on out there. I think I saw a, a – some some guy that I hadn't didn't even know was still in the league caught a pass with him last week. So I mean this is this is you know getting getting wild out there. So they they have transformed this offense as well to kind of like a YOLO ball offense, which I think lends to any and all Joe Flacco props that you kind of want to play this week. Two forty. That is, that is way too low. I mean, yeah. First three games with the first game with the Browns, he had two fifty four on forty four attempts. And he's gone over three hundred the last two games on 44 plus attempts yeah, you can find a 243 honestly, right now yeah i might go ladder that if there's i think be, you know a couple books out there will let you do some alts on some props I'm, i might go ladder that that's way too low uh their their pass rate since flacco has taken over has gone from like 27th in the league to second so yeah. they regardless i think that's when when they're in neutral game state so um that's part of the reason I like Cleveland here as well, because on the defensive side for Houston, Will Anderson is still dealing with a high ankle sprain. That was from two weeks ago. So if somehow he is active for this game, I don't think he's going to have anywhere near the explosiveness that that you would need for him to be effective. I think that probably mitigates the offensive line concerns we've had for the past couple of weeks with Cleveland. Uh, so that's why I bet Cleveland minus two and a half. I would still potentially consider here. I am going to take a little bit of a nibble on the discounted over under here of over 40 because of how often Cleveland is throwing the ball and because of how volatile uh, case Keenum might be, might give them more fields. It wouldn't shock me in the least if Cleveland like puts up 30 points in this game, to be quite honest with you, because this is a pass defense for Houston overall. That's outside the top 20 by most of the advanced metrics. And maybe we see a little bit better of a Texans offense this week. Now that Nico Collins appears like he is going to come back uh, for, for case Keenum, when he didn't have him last week. Yeah, I, I wait a minute. Like, I think the 40 is an interesting look as well. I, I mean, I think it wouldn't surprise me if it wouldn't surprise me at all if Cleveland put up, you know, close to 30 themselves, right? So we're asking very, very little from, uh, from, te- from te- the Texans in that one. Green Bay Packers and the Carolina Panthers. This is four and a half or five in favor of the Packers on the road against the Panthers. 37 and a half is your total here steven everybody was hot and heavy on the packers three weeks ago holy mackerel they might even be super bowl contenders yeah well not so much and here we are the packers uh it with a losing record as we enter week 16 that said nothing cures a nothing cures a bad stretch like playing the carolina panthers we've gone from all you need is love back to love hurts it's it's been a a a tragedy and then a feel good story. And now we're back to a tragedy. So I, I got nothing for this game. I don't, I'm never laying this many points with the Packers at this point. I actually think the Panthers defense has been pretty solid the past few weeks here, past month or so as they've gotten healthier and gotten guys back from IR. So I actually respect that unit at this point. I, I don't, I still don't know what to make of the Panthers offense. I, I still think they're terrible. Um, 
but last week you don't know because it's just rain and two inches of rain and a monsoon. So it's a pass for me. If you're going to make a reference, you must know who sings the song. Who sings Love Hurts? Uh, I don't know. I'm really bad at this. I'm really bad this at the, is- like. Listen, here's the deal. It's a it's a very, very obscure band, which I like. I know Adam knows a lot of uh, like I, I'm guessing you probably don't even know who sings Love Hurts. If it's not Sister Christian, I'm not sure. It It is Nazareth. Oh, hey, I was in the right ballpark there. OK, Nazareth, Christian Nazareth. Hey, I was there. It is the Christmas season. A little Nazareth, right? A little I, mean, Nazareth. I mean, Nazareth with Love Hurts, 1974, if anyone was. I do aware. know who sings All You Need Is Love. I do know that. <laughs> I would figure you would know that one. I mean, that would be <laughs> that'd be absolutely brutal if you didn't. All right, Adam, four and a half or five in favor of the Packers on the road against the Panthers. Short version is this is an under, and I also think I would probably take another quarter to a half and put it on Carolina Moneyline. This looks to me like a really challenging matchup for Green Bay on the offensive side of the ball. This Panthers defense, as Steven kind of made reference to, they've actually played as a middle-of-the-pack defense here over the second half of the season, and I realize they're going to be left on the field a lot. But we talked about what's the right tonic for the Green Bay offense to go play the Carolina defense. You know what's the right tonic for the Carolina offense? What has been an absolute gong show of a Green Bay defense the last couple of weeks. We all saw Baker Mayfield almost throw for 400 yards last week, right? I'm not about to tell you Bryce Young is Baker Mayfield. I'm not about to tell you he has half the weapons that are in Tampa. But I think that there's a real chance that we're looking at something like a 13-10 Carolina uh, in this one. I think more than anything else, when we look at 37.5, we say that uh, Matt's got some interesting things oh. about 37.5. Is that what it is? Oh, God. Don't get us as capped, my God. No, that's what I'm saying. you got to keep talking. If you talk over it, we're fine. Like, okay, I, all right. Yeah, so yeah, I think Jordan Love is going to hurt in this game. <laughs> I think the Carolina Panthers have the ability to uh, get to him and make some of those bad decisions hurt quite a bit more than <laughs> they have. Um, and I think the, uh, look, the Carolina I need, I need a drink terrible, at this point. Like, I need alcohol. I, I, we're getting I, close. I want y'all to see so bad where I froze this. Like, I, I froze the, the lead singer of, of Nazareth in the middle of, of something, and it, it's just a hell of a – I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a hell, it's a hell of a pick right there, man. Like, let me tell you. We'll circle back around to that one. Follow me on the Twitter machine or something if you want to see. Well, I, I this is like I, I every week y'all take that game fired into the sun. I, I have I have no idea. It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise you if the Panthers won. It wouldn't surprise you if the Packers won by fourteen. So like yeah, I'm just I, take take it and fire it in the sun for me. Washington Commanders, New York Jets. This is a full three in favor of of the Jets. Leaning towards three and a half at a few of the books out there. Yes, leaning towards three and a half for the Jets at home here against the Commanders. 37, 37 and a half is the total. Adam, the quarterback situation is a complete mess. All we know is here's shocker. Aaron Rodgers isn't coming back after all to play for a dead team after having major surgery only 14 weeks ago. I know that's crazy to everybody out there. I know everyone thought that they were, you know, this wasn't just an attention-seeking 
uh, fella that just wanted to really, really, really uh, keep the limelight on him while he was rehabbing from injury. But uh, yeah, comes to find out he's not going to play this week. Matt, let me take you back. I want to go way back into history. The year is 1989. A man named Ronald Eugene Rivera is a <laughs> linebacker for the Chicago Bears. They have been quite the football team over this last decade. They've won a Super Bowl. But you know what else he's done in 1989 that most people don't know about? He appeared in Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> you can't. Because he might have. Because he's yeah. still in Weekend at Bernie's. He is still an <laughs> animated corpse on the sideline for the Washington Commanders right now. As things were happening in the game against the Rams last week, they kept cutting to Ron Rivera. And I kept thinking, is, is he alive? Is Ron Rivera still here? Like, did they fire Ron Rivera and he's just showing up like Milton in office space to make sure he collects the paycheck? Like, what have they moved him to the basement and hidden his stapler? What is going on with Ron Rivera? Like, all respect to the man for everything he has overcome in his life to be in the position that he is in right now. But what is going on with this entire franchise at the moment? You might think that's me saying... Of course the Jets are favored. No, this is my fired into the sun game. I just wanted you all to be aware that Ron Rivera might actually be a reanimated corpse <laughs> that is being moved around by Eric Bieniemy and Josh Harris in the ownership group. So, Stephen, another just like, you can hear the Benny Hill music playing in the background. Like, they're going to start Sam Howell again, it looks like, even though you bench him, like... So you bench him and you almost get this weird comeback and then you bench him again. It, it's, anyway, it's, so it looks like it'll be Sam Howell again here for for the commanders. How do we get to 37? I, I don't know. Maybe the, how do we get to 37? How do we get to 38? I guess would be the question. You know, if you want to play an under 37 and a half, which is out there right now, if you want to do that, maybe that's the, the angle on this one. What say you? I say that if I want to avoid divorce, this is one of the games that I can't justify watching on Christmas weekend. If I want to stay married, <laughs> there are some of these that I can make a professional case for because it's part of my job. Even my wife knows that Washington and the jets suck. And at this point in the season, there's really no good reason to watch them or bet on them. So uh hard pass for me guys. This is going to get to three and a half at a couple of the books. At which time, I think on principle, I will it. have to bet no. the Washington I, Commanders. I get it. I get it on principle, but like of the District of Columbia. Oh, there's slash Virginia. so many other bets. No. Like Matt, you've do told it. me this over and over again. You don't have to bet everything. You don't, but it's the other side of a field goal with the Jets. Like I mean, it's the other side of a field goal. But but Zachary F. Love and Wilson actually put up 30 against the Houston Texans like I don't know man like that the pro I, I on principle I get it but like what has Eric Bieniemy and Sam Howell showed us any time in the past four to six weeks like they've we shown us that if you bench him and put in Jacoby Brissett then maybe you could actually win a game so, so live bet it when that happens, right? <laughs> when that, it is it is Hal still, right? He started. Yeah, I mean that's what they're saying. Yeah. So then they're, let's they're... let's tweet about it when Hal gets benched and see what the number is. How about that? Yeah. 
We'll come in. Yeah, we'll come in on Brissette. Brissette rides in on his steed and like, you know, whatever. And like, yeah, to gets it done. Like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer bringing yes. presents on Christmas weekend. I, I like it. I like it. All right. This game I do have. Detroit Lions, Minnesota Vikings, Matt against the world game here. Um, I'm on the Lions. I know everybody in the world is on the Vikings this week. Um, this is all of the reasons that we avoid the Lions doesn't really come into play this week. It is, yeah, it's late in the season, but it's not golf going outdoors. Not only is it I mean, going into cold weather, not only is it not, not golf going into cold weather, it's not golf going into the outdoors even. I, like, golf is going to a dome. This is a team that when, offense, when the offense has every one of their weapons, I, I mean, I'm being dead serious when I say like they are a top three most dangerous offense in the entire NFL and they're going into this completely healthy. I'm sure you guys have seen the trend. I don't know if he picked up on the offense better or what, but like Jamison Williams is getting all the snaps now. So he's like an actual true wide receiver two now for this squad, which is something that they were kind of counting on on him earlier in the season, but whatever, better late than never, I suppose. And the other deal about golf, right? I mean, we haven't really had a ton of these like golf bonehead turnover games. We've had two, but we hadn't had, you know, two out of 14, you know, it ain't that bad. Two out of 14 for golf really ain't that bad. And I get it. The Vikings live and die by the blitz. If you look with all the weapons that, that the lions have, I like to believe in my heart of hearts. They're going to know they're coming hot and heavy. They're going to have the plays called. They're going to know how to get the ball out quick. I just think from top to bottom, this Lions team is 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 built to to handle what the Vikings are going to bring on the defensive side of the ball. I played it at three. Um, I know everybody else likes the Vikings this week. Yeah, but I don't like the Vikings at three. I bet it at three and a half, which I think is there's a big – I know in the grand scheme of things here, Matt, we're probably like you know splitting hairs. But betting the Vikings at three basically – in a lot of, in most cases requires them to now win the game for you to cash the bet. So that to me, I'm only interested in Vikings at three and a half. And honestly, I was with you at the start of the week. And then I heard a lot of matchup situations here with him playing Flores with golf, playing Flores. That caused me a lot of concern. Um, the pressure that golf's going to have to face the zone coverage that Flores likes to play behind it has been an issue for golf in the past. I won't go into any more detail because Eli and Mo are going into great detail on why they're betting the Vikings. So if you want that side, I would suggest go listen to that on our podcast feed or on our YouTube channel. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to be honest with you, Matt. I, I did a 180 on this one because I was with you early in the week and I heard enough to make me get scared off of it uh, by, by later in the week. Yeah, I mean, look, Nick Mullins to me isn't anything I'm afraid of either uh, when it comes down to it. So, I, again, I, guess I, I know I'm on an island with this one. Adam, uh, where do you land? It's a pass for me, so there you go. I'll, I'll, I'll be between you guys. If I were to play, I probably would be on Detroit, but I think there's enough question for me as to Detroit's ability to cover the Vikings if Justin Jefferson looks anything like Justin Jefferson again that I don't want to be involved with this Detroit defense it look Denver made them look better than they really are it's not a good defense it's not going to be a good defense if you made me take Denver's offense or Minnesota's offense with Justin Jefferson I'm probably going to take Minnesota's offense so I see the reasons for people to be on the Vikings but 
the one thing that I think we have to be really clear about here is that with the Lions, it's even less about golf. It's about the offensive line. It's about Frank Ragnow being in there. It's about them being healthy among that offensive front. And when they are, they're outstanding offensively. It's just a matter of being able to protect Jared Goff. And so when we start to talk about the blitzing of Brian Flores, I think what we really have to talk about is, is this Detroit offensive line going to be able to hold up under the pressure? I think they will, which would put me onto leaning Detroit. But for me, this one had too much question to it, and I passed. See, the, uh, yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, the other thing that I'd like to to bring up in this one, why I'm kind of like not all that worried about it is, man, I think Gibbs brings such an incredible dynamic to this offense and in, in, in a way to deal with all of the pressure all the time. Like, I think you can line up Gibbs while Montgomery is out there, right? And then now you are coming with, okay, what's Gibbs going to do? Are they going to hand it to him? Are they going to throw it to him? Like, does he kind of block and then leak out? Like, I think there's I think there's a lot of things that Gibbs brings to the table. I, I think he has a massive game in, in this one, actually. I would, you know, if, if I was putting together, like, some sort of same-game parlay, Adam, you were talking about earlier in the podcast about how, you know, sometimes you just play the extreme, right? You play, like, almost the 120th percentile and like, I think you could put Gibbs in for like whatever, 120 from like all purpose yards or whatever, you know, 120 plus scrimmage yards and things, stuff like that. Because I think that that is a formula in which you could look that he really, really, really has a good game. You look, like I said, with golf, you kind of know what you get, but the guy's been pretty damn good this year, right? I mean, like I'm not a golf guy, but the dude's been pretty damn good. He's had one real stinker and that's about it all, all year. And so I'm, um, I'm okay with with kind of backing him here in, in this situation. I do believe that the offense is going to be ready for what they come with. And and look, Mullins is just he's just what he is, right? I mean, he just, he is what he is. They're going to move the ball. Everyone moves the ball. Oh, the, oh Mullins is going to turn it over. He he's erratic. Yeah. He's going to turn it yeah. over. Yeah, he's he is what he is, right? Like he's just they're putting him in there. Like he's not. You know what all of this stuff does, and this is getting off on a tangent, and but we'll get back on top. All this really does is prove Kirk Cousins was a G. Like this, this offense looks like ass without him out there, and like and like Kirk, it just shows you like Kirk Cousins was the most underappreciated quarter, especially now that we see how many bad quarterbacks there are in the NFL. Good God, Kirk Cousins got disrespected. Adam, I'm making myself the Kirk Cousins got disrespected president, and you can be vice president. <laughs> Uh, okay, do we get like a 30% Kohl's discount with that? Yes, you get, yes, whatever, and all, any of the other commercials that he's like, that he's been on and, and all things like that. Like I said, I, I know I'm against everybody on this one. It's just all the concerns that I used to have for golf don't really translate in this game to me. It's not in the cold. It's not outdoors. It's full health on the offensive side of the ball. Like, I don't know. There, there's something tells me that we're, we're digging too much into like golf priors in this one where I don't know if it is kind of like apples to apples with this Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is two, two and a half in favor of the bucks over the Jags 41, 41 and a half. Adam, this is one of those really weird games in which as we record this, Trevor Lawrence is out. He is trending in the right direction. However, um, we don't normally see quarterbacks come back from concussion within a week but apparently what we saw earlier in the season is not necessarily what we're seeing 
in the latter half of the season. So I guess it wouldn't surprise me if Trevor Lawrence was back for this game. So it leaves this one a bit curious. Let's look at this in totality also, because we're talking about Trevor Lawrence not only dealing with the high ankle sprain that we thought was going to keep him out for weeks, but now we're talking about the potential concussion protocol. And I think all of that would lead you to say naturally, oh man, they should hold him out this week. Unfortunately, the Jags <laughs> have messed around so much that they found themselves in a three-way tie at the top of the AFC South, and they don't have that luxury. Like, if there are horse tranquilizers and light blinders that can get Trevor yes. Lawrence into this game, they will all be attached to him, and they will have him out there without question. Uh, the one thing that I think is repeatable is the Tampa Bay offense. You guys know I have been higher on Tampa Bay than Everybody on this podcast all year long, I'm the one who said I thought that we should be looking at Tampa in division futures when they were 5-1 to one to win the NFC South, and they are in the driver's seat to do that right now. I think Baker Mayfield as a mid-level NFL quarterback is a real and repeatable thing behind what this offensive line is, and the Buccaneers are as healthy as they've been all year long. Evans is healthy, Godwin is healthy, and Rashad White, you want to talk about someone who's proven to be a G? Rashad White has proven to be ag this year i like the tampa bay buccaneers team total here the jags defense has begun to show that whatever we saw from them mid-season was more schedule driven than it was opponent driven uh, they are a defense that i think can be had through the air with the injuries that they have right now i'm seeing bucks team total at 20 and a half uh minus 112 21 points for this team to me feels well within the range of possibilities because even their tendency to run the ball on early downs has not been able to slow them down because now Rashad White is actually turning some of those into positive plays for Tampa. So I don't want to get involved with trying to handicap the Trevor Lawrence part of this and is he going to play? What's going to be the Jags offense? I don't know. I want to simplify this handicap down to Tampa and the fact that I think Tampa can put up points. What I can say is practice report just coming through no zay jones and no trevor lawrence so not even a limited a a dnp for trevor lawrence here on a thursday i don't think he's gonna play again we've seen guys come back where there was no chance before but again uh dnp here on a thursday he needs a full. for that so he needs a full yeah. i'm pretty sure to, to get cleared so so CJ Beathard is going to be um, is going to be the the quarterback most likely for the Jags. So what say you, Stephen? So I say that the market is already telling us that their opinion is he's far more likely to miss this than to play because we're already out to Tampa Bay minus two here. So um, yeah, I I think anything under three here for Tampa Bay looks, looks pretty solid to me. I took it with more uncertainty earlier today on Thursday. Uh, got Tampa Bay plus a half, um, which sidebar, there were some books out there giving you plus a half at minus 110 and money line at minus 110. And I know that ties in the NFL are very unlikely, but if they're giving you the same price, take the half a point. Anyway, um, the, the Jacksonville defense has been very poor. Um, if you look at what Tampa Bay did last week and all the success they had against Green Bay, we know that Tampa Bay wants to run the ball in early downs. Like Todd Bowles just will not allow anything else. So they haven't been very good at it though this year. However, they found a defense last week that allowed them to be good at it. 
And since week nine, Green Bay was 25th in rush D success rate. Well, Jacksonville's 23rd. So I think Tampa Bay is going to be able to do the same exact thing this week. And even worse, the Jacksonville rush D is 29th in rush EPA in that span. And did we mention that Jacksonville's defense against the pass is 30th in drop back success rate since week nine? So all of this to me is lining up for a very strong Tampa Bay offensive performance here. And let's just hypothetically, let's just say, even if Trevor Lawrence plays since losing Christian Kirk and, and Trevor Jose Lawrence, Jones, it looks like, like and in this Jose video. Jones and him playing through a high ankle sprain, the Jacksonville offense is in the bottom half of the league in the past three games. This is a shell of what we thought they would be both offensively and defensively. And I'm basically at this point only being required to bet Tampa to win the game. So love all of that. And I'll also just note one last thing, guys. It seems like we but we all like Tampa. It seems like we all like Cleveland to beat Houston this week. It seems like we all still hate Art Smith to lose to Indianapolis. If all those things happen, the Colts have a one-game lead in the division, and right now they're plus 270 to win the AFC South. Bet well, bet saying. already in my account earlier this week. Bet bet was already in my account earlier this week. There we go. The Colts. Yeah. It, it just it it just I think the Jags have a pretty tough road to to getting there considering what we're what we're looking at here. They did not think they were going to be heading into week 16 after the way that they started relying on CJ Beathard to get it done for them. So, it's going to be uh it's going to be rough. Arizona Cardinals and the Chicago Bears four in favor of the Bears. There is a four and a half out there as well. 43 is our total. Steven, the Bears pissed it away um, last week. They had a win. Doesn't matter. They covered. But, I mean, they, they, they had the win. Just completely let it go. That said, it played just night and day better over the second half of the season, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, love him or hate him. Justin Fields has 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 done some good things. You look last week, and I know like it's you had to be watching the game to have really seen all this stuff. But I had a large bet on the Bears, and so I was paying close attention to the game. Like Robert Tunyon drops a walk in touchdown. There was another one that tipped off or another tipped off of one of the other receivers' hands. Like his stats aren't necessarily quite as indicative of. I think he played better than the stats show. Um, in all that and the Cardinal stuff last week, yeah, they put some yards together but it, it it was it was unspectacular for me so that said four is no good if this was a three I would entertain the Bears but I, I don't know I can't really get there at four I agree with that but I still wanted to find a way to keep betting on the Bears defense because they have been fantastic and to me the spread was too big to do that but I like the under to continue to support the Bears defense here under 43 and a half. Um, third by EPA, eighth by success rate in the past two months, eight weeks, top four against the run, top 10 by dropback EPA. Overall in the season, you know, you may be blind to this if you're just looking at overall numbers because they're only 17th or basically around league average in a lot of the advanced metrics. But you got to look deeper than that because they've gotten healthy. They clearly are playing a lot better. And for the the haters that are saying, well, look at the schedule. They haven't played anybody all that good. Well, they get Arizona this week. So that seems pretty solid to me. I I want to keep back in this Bears defense, and the under is how I'm doing it this week. Adam, it's, uh, you know, two teams with nothing to play for, but 
kinda, if you're the Cardinals, you have something to play for, which would be to lose. But I know that they're not doing that. What do you, what do you say here in this one? So if you worry about Chicago, you worry about the fact that Justin Fields takes too long with the ball, that he's going to wait for pressure, that et cetera, et cetera. You know who can't rush the passer at all? The Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. You can give Justin Fields four, five, six, 25 seconds to throw back there, and the Arizona Cardinals will still be stuck against the Bears' offensive linemen. So I think if you're worried about Chicago for that reason, you can throw that out. Now, you would look at the other side and say, okay, well, what is it that you would be concerned about with the Cardinals' offense? Well, I might be concerned, hey, Kyler Murray's back. Dig into the Kyler Murray stats a little bit and see the fact that he has been, by multiple metrics, the worst quarterback in football over the second half of the season. He's 10% below expected on completions right now. That's just him. And granted, I know he's not throwing to Jerry Rice and Chris Carter, but at the same time, he himself just has not been good. I know the offensive line isn't good, et cetera, et cetera. So then I would say, okay, well, Arizona's actually run the ball okay. You know who you can't really run the ball against? The Chicago Bears. Mm -hmm. So I think the same way, Matt, that you talked about all of your handicap on the Lions being, okay, I would worry about X, Y, and Z, especially with Jared Goff. All the things that I think could trouble the Bears, the Cardinals can't do. I think his number's pretty short. I think anything out to six, six and a half is probably comfortable on Chicago. But let's get a little weird. Let's have some fun. I like it. It's the holiday season. Do you really want to sit around sweating out a minus four on the Bears? No, you don't. You want to be sitting to yourself, self, let's make a little cash. Uh, Let's look at Cardinals team totals. Because I do not believe the Arizona Cardinals are going to be able to score in this game. If you want to talk about what is really good, what is really good is the Chicago defense over the last few weeks. Pick any number you want. They're top eight. And especially when it comes to rush success and rush EPA against, they are in where you want them to be. So you want to get super, super weird? I can't endorse this, but Cardinals to score under nine and a half is six to one. That's too much. You can kind of futz your way into getting there. Mm-hmm. What about 10 and a half? Is 10 a reasonable total for the Arizona Cardinals? Is 10 a reasonable total more than 25% of the time for the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, I have it that way. And they're plus 390 to go under 10 and a half. You feel uncomfortable with that? You want to build in a second touchdown? Even if you want to get them at 14, under 14 and a half is two to one. I don't think the Cardinals are scoring two touchdowns in this game. I can tell you this. The only thing is for sure, and they might not be good, and they might not be good targets, and they might not be receptions, but boy, Trey McBride is going to get peppered, and we know that for sure. He, I mean, Kyler Murray is in full-on man love with him. In this he game. is. But yeah. let me get, but I, that's one of, thank you for bringing that up, Matt, because that's one of the angles that I forgot to get into. They made the strangest investments in the world in the offseason, did the Chicago Bears, in fortifying that linebacking core, right? This is the game where it might actually matter against Trey McBride. Yes, it really, I mean, it should. I mean, this is like, I mean, you look at McBride under, with, with Kyler in there, 14 targets, 9 targets, 7, 9, 9, 11. Like, he, he loves him some Trey McBride. Like, that is, that is for sure, but... Yeah, it would be Bears or pass for me for sure. Um, maybe I'll just take like a Bears team total and just feel good about that and then just move on with uh, with the game. 
Bet basketball, baseball, or golf with a bonus bet of up to $1,050 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code PLAYBONUS50 and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. The Lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code PLAYBONUS50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to $1,050 after your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. This is a new customer offer, 21 years or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In Iowa, call 800 800- bets off and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. All right, Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins game. Everybody's going to pay very, very, very close attention to Adam. This is the most interesting game of the week. Most interesting handicap of the week, right? Because here we are Dolphins answer us the question. Can you win? Can you win a big game against a good team? Cowboys, answer us the question. Can you win a game on the road outdoors against a good team? Because here's the thing. You're probably going to have to do that in the playoffs. So here you go. This is your little, this is at least a test for you here against Miami. Everything tells me that Tyreek Hill is going to play in this game. Like, I don't think Tyreek Hill is going to miss this one. I think Tyreek Hill actually sat out last week because he didn't want to do anything to keep him out of having to play in this game. So one, one and a half in favor of the Dolphins, 50 to 50 and a half is your total. What say you, Adam? Instinctually here and with the numbers, Dolphins and under. And I, I we're too high on the point scoring ability of the Dallas Cowboys with what we saw last week. And I am perfectly comfortable leaning in maybe not as hard as Stephen a did laughing at the Cowboys but I have not been a Cowboys backer this entire season and last week goes to show why now on the other side of this you mentioned Tyree kill but I think you have to go deeper than that because other positive news out of the injury report is basically every other piece of positive news you could want out of the injury report for the Miami Dolphins Teron Armstead is back at practice Xavier Howard is back at practice Devin Achan is back at practice Every guy that you would look at and say, man, okay, they really need to be able to hold up against pressure, Armstead. They really need to be able to cover those receivers, Savian Howard. They really need to have some game-breaking ability, Devin Achan. They're all in there. Now, I understand that what we saw out of Miami against Tennessee is enough to give everybody some level of concern. But to me, you take what is an offense that is entirely capable of of going out there and dictating everything to Dallas because of the fact that Dallas needs to get pressure. And I think two is going to be able to get the ball out quickly enough that it's not going to matter. And the Miami defense granted the fact that they have not been the same since Jalen Phillips went out still by second half of the season numbers. 
This is the number one non-garbage time defense by EPA, which is not something I would have expected before I looked the stats up. I understand that everyone's going to be saying to themselves, oh, yeah, Dallas, bad week, time to bounce back. This ain't the team, and this ain't the matchup. So, uh, Stephen, if I look at this, you know, I actually think it was good for this offense last week that Tyreek sat out because then it was like the reminder of how good Jalen Waddell is. It's like it's like you sit there and you look and it's like, oh, we have this other guy with great, great speed and is awesome catching the ball and can go, you know, take things to the house and whatever. And you see him go out last week, go for 142 yards against the Jets, I might add, you know, on on uh, eight receptions in this thing. Now you get Tyreek back. And I think that now you don't have to rely quite as much on Tyreek Waddle can do his thing the Cowboys man you look and they're they're weak up front and I'll tell you this it's kind of under the radar because all we think about is how awesome that Tua and Tyreek have been all year long and we don't even realize that the Dolphins are one of the most efficient rushing offenses in all the NFL as well it wouldn't surprise me if they bullied it wouldn't surprise me if they bullied the Cowboys here like like, like McDaniel's a sharp dude man like McDaniel's smart like yeah, we got these toys, but are the toys going to win the game? Or is it, let's just run it down their throat just like the Bills did. Maybe he goes that route. I think I think the Dolphins have multiple ways to get this done. I will concede the, uh, the coaching sharpness edge here, clearly, to Miami over Dallas. Uh, I am still concerned about how healthy this offensive line is for the Dolphins. I know Adam mentioned Teron Armstead, but... This is still a unit with one of their guards and their starting center on IR. On top of that, their backup center, their right guard, their right tackle, all DMPs. Uh, with, I'm sorry, their other tackle, Eichenberg, is a center. He was limited. So the center was limited this week, the backup center. Right guard, right tackle, both DMPs this week. Uh, I have not seen any Thursday updates on that. Have you, Adam? I haven't, but I guess I would... I would counter that to say, did it matter last week? Not against the Jets. Uh, I, mean, I mean, the Jets, who we've thought about as a top eight, nine defense throughout the season, right? Like, I'm just saying it wasn't against nobody last week, even if Dallas's pass rush is better. Yeah, I mean, I got to see if, if that if three fifths of their offensive line is out or not playing when they're already on backups for a lot of it, that, that's going to be a problem for me in this game. Cause I still don't think if Tyree kill plays, he's going to be near 100% may not matter. He's Tyree kill, but this is still the number one defense by pass rush win rate for the Cowboys top five and sack percentage. Uh, you saw what happened with Miami against Tennessee when they were getting pressured and having to get rid of the ball and Tua was sacked five times. Now it, they should have won the game. They're up 14 with like three minutes left. I get that. But the the point is that the protection was an issue in that game, even though they got away with it against an inferior opponent. To me, we also need to talk about the Dallas offense against this Miami defense because the Dolphins defense has gotten a lot of love. They're pretty high in the advanced metrics. They're number one in a lot of those metrics since Jalen Ramsey came back. But they haven't played anybody. I mean – the quarterbacks they faced since Jalen Ramsey came back, Mac Jones, Patrick Mahomes, where they got down 21 nothing, Aiden O'Connell, Tim Boyle, where they had a fail Mary to help boost their defensive EPA in that game, Sam Howell, Will Levis, and then a combination of Zach Wilson and Trevor Simeon. So 
I am not convinced whatsoever that Dallas's offense is going to struggle to move the ball in this game because I think those metrics uh, are very inflated based on a fear, inferior opponents and inferior offenses that they played. So I, I took plus money on the Cowboys money line in this game, mostly because I'm not sure how healthy this offensive line is going to be for Miami. And they got to show me that they can beat a legitimate team. Like they got to show, I at least know the Cowboys should have beaten the Eagles twice, did beat them once in dominant fashion. I kind of want to give them a pass for Buffalo last week because it sounds like the, the Jay Glazer came out and said that a ton of their players were sick and playing through the flu last week. But I will also like, this is the point that you guys should be driving home as well. If you're, if, if you want to be on, on Miami, if Hankins doesn't play for Dallas, I don't know how they're stopping the run for Miami. And so it might be like week on week here if the, if the O-line's bad, but that's another matchup potentially advantage here too, Matt. Um, I'll tell you a prop that I don't normally play, fellas, but um, over one and a half field goals for Brandon Aubrey, who, <laughs> by the way, can like make it from like 97 yards is like, I mean, over one and a half. I don't know if you guys know how many field goals he's missed this year. Zero. He's 31 for 31 on the season and they will like let him go from 60 like like it's nobody's business. And so it's like it's only minus 120. Maybe that's just a fun one to add into a same game parlay or something like that or whatever, just to kind of boost your your odds up there or something like that. But um, I don't normally handicap kicking at him, but if they're going to like let a dude go from 58 plus multiple times in a game and he's perfect on the season, I'll throw that in a same game parlay. Yeah, as a leg, I don't mind it. I, yeah. I wouldn't want it to be the only thing I was holding uh, on this game. Um, I, I'll I'll say back to what to what Stephen was saying. I, the lack of protection potentially for Tua, we can't look too far into that Tennessee game. They were up twenty eight to fourteen. Should have covered that game, let alone not lose it at the end. And also, when we look at what that means to Tua, I think it just means that Mike McDaniel knows if that offensive line is not healthy, ball's coming out and ball's coming out as quickly as possible or they're running, as Matt mentioned, or maybe they're going to that potential strength. So if if you look, if you want to take Dallas's full season in totality and say that's, you know, where you play, uh, you know, where you play money line on them, I get it. I understand, you know, where you're coming from. Um, It it feels to me like we're we're hoping certain things for the Cowboys play out in order to to get there, though. Yeah, the Cowboys for me are that team that like I get it. You can only you can only play who's who's put in front of you, right? And like, don't get me wrong, that was a big win against the Eagles. But outside of that, I mean, what what are we what are we hanging our hat on here, right? I mean, it's 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 a it's a bunch of losses to get it's a loss to the 49ers a loss to the Eagles the first time a loss to the Bills and then like wh- what do we like about this team you know wh- what are their signature win what is the outside of that Eagles team like wh- where are their other wins it's it's Panthers it's, and Commanders and Giants and Jets and Giants again and Patriots I mean it's just wh- what like, are we like if, if we're if we're making this argument what are we hanging our hat on with the Dolphins that they beat the crap out of a bunch of bad teams and beat Justin Herbert in week one like it's the same thing these two teams are almost mirror images of each other no but I'm saying if we're going off of this like oh they get so much pressure and they do this and we could think that they can move the ball and why wouldn't they be able to move the ball well they didn't move the ball in the good teams they played so like I mean what, what neither are we, did Miami what are we but, what are we like going with okay here? Miami 
okay, Miami has played uh, some tough teams, and I think that we could see that Miami hasn't gotten blown off the field against the tough teams the way that Dallas has. And even in a game where Dallas looked great offensively, right? The DAC MVP game is the Seattle game. They gave up 35 to, to a Seattle team that we can't really point to and say, we believe this is a good team. So I, I just think we could probably spend the rest of this podcast going back and yeah. forth over the who is Dallas played and who is it's Miami played. Fascinating game. Well, I mean, yeah, it's 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 going to be it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think our I think our whole mindset is changed if they don't have that complete just brain fart against the Titans, right? Like I think our whole our whole image of this team is like completely different, but you know, it is what it happened. So I mean, it's not to say they can't happen again. All right. Sunday night football, New England Patriots and the Denver Broncos. It is seven in favor of the Broncos at home over the Patriots. Oh, how the mighty have fallen to where they are a full touchdown underdog to one of the worst teams out there. 34, 34 and a half is your total. Um, Steven, I'll start with you on this one. The question is not whether the Patriots are bad or not. We know that they are bad. The question is, is are they so bad that they should be a full touchdown underdog to a Broncos team that has been anything but inspiring this entire season? I've been waiting for a seven all week, and that was step one. Step two is Hunter Henry playing, and I don't know that for sure yet. If Hunter Henry's playing... I will be betting Patriots to cover seven in this game for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, Denver sucks. Like their, their offense yeah. is to hide Russell Wilson as much as possible. Try and run the ball, keep the game close and hope the other team gives them the game like that. That's what this team is. They are last in pace. So by definition, winning by more than a touchdown is really damn hard to do when you're dead last of the league in pace. They are bottom six in pass play percentage. They, since their bye week, below average rushing attack as well. The Pats rush D is the best in the league. They're first in DVOA, first in EPA, first in success rate. I don't know. I don't know how you could bet Denver to cover a touchdown in this game. It's it's mind boggling to me. Adam, I look at this like, and I, I get it. Like you can't judge a team by one by one game or anything like that, but it's. It was like the Broncos went in and then kind of showed who they were against the Lions, right? Like it was it's a defense that we knew could still be had and then the Lions of course just had their way with them and then also it's a defense that we on the other side of the ball with the Lions that we're kind of going and we we had this in one of our earlier handicaps but we're going, you know what? But the other team's going to get theirs. But the Broncos didn't get theirs in this one. Like they they they, they didn't do anything against the Lions. It kind of like was more who I think that this Broncos team truly is in that game against the Lions than some of these other, I would say, turnover-aided wins that they had had somewhere along the way, stumbling to the record that they have right now. Okay, I'm going to read off a list of numbers to you, and you guys can play along with me here as to what they mean. All right? Over the last six weeks, here are the amounts of points that the New England defense has given up. 20, 10, 10, 6, 18, 
27 to the Chiefs, in which seven of those were off one of the worst yes. Bailey Zappi interceptions that yes. you will ever see thrown that gave the Chiefs the ball inside the 10-yard line. So one thing out of the four units that we have to evaluate, the one that I feel any level of confidence in is that this New England defense is pretty good. And that, I believe, will travel to Denver I can't believe I'm saying this with a total as low as this one is. I think this thing is still an under. This game, to me, has all of the hallmarks of 14-10, 17-13. I do not see which of these teams is putting up 20 points. Uh, I think the Denver defense is still a representative defense, middle of the pack for the year, and the New England defense is good. That being said, could I see Denver winning this game 9 to nothing on three field goals? Yeah, I could. So I can't take the seven with New England. I think we're still even at 34 and a half looking at under. Yeah, it's going to be an ugly one. No doubt about it. Fortunately, it's an island game. I say that in jest. Of course, that's horrible. That is an island game, but uh, we'll all be watching it. We'll all be betting it. I, I lean towards taking the seven with the Patriots. I can't believe I'm saying that because you guys know I've hated this Patriots team more than any human being all year long. And I can't believe I'm saying check, that I would check on Hunter Henry though. Like he's kind of been a huge part of their offense. And as we record here Thursday afternoon, the latest reports are that he's either going to be a DMP or a limited on Thursday. So like that's that's a big deal. We need to know if Hunter Henry's playing or not. I might take this all the way to kickoff to make sure that he's playing. Las Vegas Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. This is sitting 10 in favor of the Chiefs. 40 and a half is our total. Adam, you know, I've been a detractor of the Chiefs all season long, and I'm not going to say that I think that I've been completely right about it, but I do think that if you look at the overall body of work for this Chiefs team, you just see a team that's really good, and it's not an elite or great team, which I think everybody just wants to keep trying to push them. They want to square peg that round hole so bad and put them into the elite category, and they're they're just not there. They're just a good team. They're just a really good team. They're not an elite team. So now we're going to ask them to cover double digits against a Raiders squad that, yeah, you know, they're not all that great, but they still have some players. They still have some talent, and they have still been playing hard. So what do we think here about 10 in favor of the Chiefs? <sighs> Raiders are pass. It's probably pass. I've watched this particular matchup between these two teams enough to know that when the Chiefs turn it on against the Raiders, the Raiders can't do anything about it. Look what happened when they got together in Vegas, right? The Raiders ran out early. It looked like they were going to be competitive. And then the Chiefs just had their way and won this game by more than uh, more than 10 points, which is what we're looking at here right now. So could I see the Raiders coming out with a laydown performance in which they put up 13 or 14 sure i absolutely could um but i also don't think the chiefs are equipped to score at margin the way that they have been and so in the end i don't want to get involved with either side of this if you made me get involved with anything it's probably raiders but i there are things i like more on the monday slate than this steven it is a pretty low total for a 10 point spread so there's at least that um, looking out and guys, just, this is, it's way too early to try and do any of the stuff. Cause again, we're, we're, we're several days out and weather changes pretty rapidly, but this was a game, at least at first people have 
at least a star by to keep an eye on. There is a decent chance as of us recording this, that there's going to be some rain. There's going to be a little bit of wind, all of that, but that's stuff that we need to monitor a little bit closer to, to game time. So don't let that affect your handicap today because three days from now, the weather could, could completely change. Yeah. What we do know is that, the Raiders are optimistic that Josh Jacobs is going to be back and take over for Zimmer White in the backfield. So we should get another heavy dose of Josh Jacobs bell cow. Uh, we, if, if you're watching this, you need to go and check the injury reports for Travis Kelsey. He left the Patriots game last week with an injury. We don't have the injury reports where we're recording right now. Travis Kelsey, kind of a big deal. So keep an eye on that line. will move based on his availability. I would assume, uh, I just am not interested in backing the Raiders here, even at double digits, even though the Chiefs uh, are a team, this this version of the Chiefs have had a hard time beating teams by double digits. I don't want to take a lesser price on what the look ahead was because the Raiders had the best offensive game of, of their franchise history against a dead team. Like, I don't want to quasi buy high on the Raiders here, so... It's a pass for me. It's a watch and observe and see if the Chiefs can maybe solve some of the offensive issues we've been talking about for weeks. Yeah, there's the Pacheco thing to look at, the Kelsey thing to look at, all of that. So be sure that you're you're in it. My off the top of my head would be it would be tough for me to lay 10 points with the Chiefs. I know this is yeah. going to be a massively popular money line parlay day because everyone's going to take the the favorites and parlay them all together. And I can't even say that that's a, a horrible decision this week, but it would be tough. It's a tough lay for me at the 10 for, uh, for the chiefs just haven't been able to really put together 60 minutes yet. Right. I mean, we saw this even the last time that they played the Raiders won the first half, basically. I mean, like and the chiefs took over in the second half. And so it's just, I haven't seen a 60 minute game out of the chiefs all season long. So I, I, I can't imagine myself, um, lay in 10 points Christmas day here New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles this is out to 13 and a half in favor of the Eagles 43 is our total he's back to being DeVito no longer Tommy Cutlets on this podcast Steven sorry you play the game you play like you did last week you're back to being DeVito you don't especially get when you go and read the riot act of the social media team like yeah. come on man you don't you don't you don't get to you don't get the nickname anymore when you play like you did last week and you, you act like you're taking it for granted so no longer you're back to DeVito here on this podcast buddy and you find yourself as nearly a two touchdown underdog here on Christmas Day what say you more like Tommy DeLito with the social media team. Uh, I am pretty surprised by the aggressive line movement in this game. This has gone from 10.5. We're three points higher now, 13.5. If you go by what the Giants did against the Eagles last year, I get it. They got pummeled every time they faced the Philadelphia Eagles. But this is not last year's Philadelphia Eagles. If If you go by where the market has had the Eagles at this point in the season – and the steady downgrade that they've starting to get, they've started to get. Tell me if I'm wrong, Matt. This line is kind of insinuating that the Giants are the worst team in the NFL, and I'm not sure they are. Now, does that make me want to press the button on the New York Giants with Tommy DeVito? I'm not sure, but we're getting closer. Like 14, 14 and a half might have me curious here, and I'm not sure I should be. Adam, 
yeah, I mean, we're approaching two touchdowns. We know it's an island game. Favorites get bet. It's legalized sports betting in Philly. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, people are sitting at home, had a few cocktails by the time rolls around. Like, wouldn't surprise me to see this thing hit 14, 14 and a half by the time it's all said and done. I guess the question is, is, is that too much? No, not at all. <laughs> because if you want to take Steven's logic that this isn't last year's Philadelphia team, this year's Philadelphia team is an F-ton closer to last year's <laughs> Philadelphia team than this year's Giants team is to last year's Giants team. Like, Tommy DeVito is not even the biggest part of what we need to talk about here, right? We need to talk about the fact that the New York Giants are very, very fortunate to have played some of the teams they have played. The New York Giants have beaten teams that are going to draft higher than them. That's it. They haven't been on the same field with teams that are better than them. I think out to 14, 13 and a half right now is still a play on Philadelphia. This to me is Philadelphia's get right spot. This is the spot where we come back from what has been an absolutely meat grinder, brutal stretch for Philadelphia, even playing a lesser team than they had played the five weeks prior, having to fly to Seattle and play that Monday night game. I think you're looking at more than what you could have asked out of a sick Jalen Hurts. And now you come back against this Giants team that looked anemic against the Saints last week. And you see that this should be the one way traffic that it has been to Philadelphia. Once we're up to 14 and over 14, yeah, I can see where your caution comes in. At less than 14, it's still Philadelphia for me. Yeah, the total is interesting to me because, and, and Adam, stop me if, you, if I'm wrong here, but the Eagles playing into the mid-30s wouldn't surprise me in this game. And so we're only asking for 43 points. Can the Giants get anything at all? Can they get even a garbage time touchdown in this game? I think it's an over or pass for me. Yeah, they absolutely can get a garbage time touchdown because that's how bad the Philadelphia secondary is, right? Mm -hmm. uh, go back and watch the painful, painful supercut of James Bradbury getting beaten for every single completion on Drew Locke's winning touchdown drive last week. You want to talk about a sentence that would have been, wouldn't have been uttered two years ago. That's one right there, but that's where we are right now with Philadelphia. So, yeah, I could see it over. Our nightcap here on Christmas, and boy, what a game it is. A treat here on Christmas evening. If you're watching this on Christmas Day, good on you, and hopefully the eggnog has been flowing nice and heavy for you over there, and every, you're feeling pretty good as you head into the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers, one of the games of the year. The current number one seeds in both conferences 49ers, five, five and a half point favorites at home over the Ravens, 46 and a half to 47 is our total Adam this is this to me is where we kind of understand where the Ravens truly are in the pecking order and this is just my personal opinion I think the Ravens are good I do not think the Ravens are in the league with the 49ers right now I don't know if there's anybody really in the league with the 49ers right now but certainly I would take some of these other teams over even the Ravens they're winning games. They're winning games unimpressively. There is not a lot of, there's not a lot to really hold on to. I mean, 
it only works Lamar scrambling around and running around in circles 900 times and then finding a guy 40 yards down the field. Like that only works so often. It only works against teams that aren't called the 49ers, right? Like the 49ers, that's not going to work with this defense and the team and the guys that they have up front to kind of limit all of that. And let's just be honest, this 49ers offense when healthy, it's an absolute bust. Like they're just going to run through everyone you never know who's going to do it, but it's going to be one of the guys that's out there. And so I laid it with the Niners. I would, since five is a dead number, bump it to five and a half for a little bit better money. Maybe bump it to six for a little bit better money. If you wanted to go all the way to six and a half, maybe not. Six is a key-ish number, but like five is dead anyway. Go ahead and move it to five and a half and, and get a little bit better money on it. Like I, I just, I think this is where we realize like, hey, the Ravens are really good. They are not in the same category as the 49ers. For as long as we've been doing this podcast, I've never had one team three points clear of everyone else in my power ratings. I just don't see that kind of difference between football squads in the year 2023 until right now. That's just how good the San Francisco offense is. And look, quiet as it's kept, the defense has not been great over the second half of the season, but it's been plenty good enough 13th by EPA over the second half of the season for San Francisco. And that's where my handicap comes in because we've talked about on this show, you can book San Francisco for 28 to 31 every single week. And then you ask yourself, what can the other offense do? I actually do think the Ravens offense is live for their own 17 to 20 pretty comfortably in this game. And to me, that screams over. I think 47 is way low for the quality of these two offenses. I don't see how we stay below 50 to 51. Uh, frankly, if you want to bump it up and play it a little higher, I could see that. But I think over for me is the look. If I were to get involved with side, it would be San Francisco for me as well because that's just the truck that the offense is, Matt. They're healthy. Everything's working. Shanahan's in his bag. You're getting the best of Brock. There's nothing you can do against this San Francisco offense right now that's going to slow them down. Steven, I, I, I've, you know, I have the Ravens where I have them in the power ratings by default because it just kind of is what it is at this juncture with how the, the season has played out. But if I could put a one and then put like three just white columns. And then like, then we started kind of like the second half of the power ratings. That's basically kind of what I would do with all of this. And like I said, you lose Mark Andrews and this pass offense has been anything but inspiring. I mean, yeah, Isaiah likely has made some, some big plays, but again, it's, it's one of those deals where Lamar is kind of having to vamp, if you will. Like, you know, I mean, we've seen it. Like he, Oh, is he going to run? He's not going to run. Oh, he's going to run this way. He's going to run this way. He's going to run this way. He's going to throw it 40 yards across the field. Like, like all of that, again, it's it's fun to watch, and your jaw drops, and you're going like, oh, my God, I can't believe Lamar just did that, and all these things. But how often is that really going to work against a team like the 49ers? And honestly, even if it does work a couple of times, your defense still has to stop them, which no defense has been able to do so far this year, and I don't think it starts this this Christmas Day. I agree. That's why I bet the over in this game. Um, it's it's always going to be expensive with the 49ers to, to bet them to cover the spread at this point until we get to, you know, maybe the Super Bowl. Um, but I bet it over 45 and a half or, earlier in the week. There is one 46 and a half still left as we record. My guess is by the time people see this, we're going to be sitting at 47. If you can still get a 47, I'm still okay with it. Um, that's a key number. Maybe you get some push equity there, but 
anything over 47, it's getting up there. But I got to tell you, man, like this, this offense is historic. And just to put more context into this Niners offense and how historic it is, the EPA database that Ben Baldwin and his, and his partner set it up back, it goes back to 2012 and Brock Purdy in this 49ers offense in terms of drop back EPA, it's higher than every Patrick Mahomes season, both of Aaron Rodgers back-to-back MVPs and the Peyton Manning 55 touchdown season when he was with the Broncos. That's how good it is. And for Purdy, you know, I was talking to my buddy, Daniel Belgard over at the Venetian in Las Vegas, good friend of mine went to college with him. And, and he pointed out something I hadn't even realized that Brock Purdy is second in the league in passing yards behind Tua, but he's 22nd in pass attempts. Like he's averaging almost 10 yards per attempt. Like, think about that. That's crazy. So if that's the starting point for an over pretty good starting point. And I at least think that if they're, if you're going to, shoot a hole into the 49ers. It would definitely be in their defense and their pass coverage. We've seen them give up some yards, some points, some of it in garbage time, but all of that lends to potentially an over here as well to me. Guys, team total over 26 and a half minus 115 over at DraftKings. Just want to point that out. Um, Run, don't walk. That's that, that to me, 26 and a half, like you're, 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 you're just asking for 27 points out of this offense that, 27 points is like in their sleep. Uh, that's a that's a pretty good number. That's a pretty good angle as well. I think I'm going to add that in to mine now. Gives me a, a mini hedge, I guess, if this turns into a shootout and somehow the Baltimore Ravens end up getting it done. But uh, I, I'm going to play the over 26 and a half on, on this team as well. Guys, everything we do, absolutely free here at The Lines. So please go ahead, hit that subscribe button down below. If you head over to thelines.com, upper right-hand corner is the Discord. That is absolutely free as well. And if you want to, go ahead, leave us some comments down there. We'll read them. Steven reads them anyway. I don't know. I can't mean I Steven reads them anyway. Like We'll go read, leave some comments down there, and we can always answer some of those things. If you, uh, if you want that prop finder in the middle of the page at thelines.com as well, you got to use the prop finder. Make sure you're getting the best number and the best odds and the best juice at the best book. So be sure and do that as well. For Stephen, for Adam, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and good luck on all of your bets. <laughs>